You're listening to the Woman of Value podcast. You are about to hear the story of a woman who is following her dreams and passions and creating positive change in the world. There was something missing, and that is kind of when I had that aha moment, which all these little pieces fit together, that I really wanted to create a space, a place for um women to connect and create and collaborate together in a very comfortable environment and have all the, um, the educational systems, the health and wellness systems, um, pretty much everything that I would like to have in my world as a businesswoman. So that's really what I did in creating Haven was creating this place that, um, a safe Haven, a place called home. I'm really excited about my guest today. She is not only a colleague, but she's also a friend. And her name is Felicia Rubenstein. She is the founder of Haven, which is a co-working space in Darien, Connecticut. This is just her latest venture because she has had many careers, as many of my guests have. She started out as an engineer at GE and Apple. And this was before women in STEM was a movement, and she thrived at the Fortune 500 companies. She worked there for more than a decade, and when she wanted a flexible work schedule after her first son was born, she asked Apple to get it, and she got it. And that was one of the company's first ever job share programs. Eventually, she left to start her own business, where I met her, and uh, so she did Maven Marketing and then Three for One Studios, which is a fabulous marketing and branding agency. And this really paved the way for the co-working space that she has today, which is an incredible space. And it's really successful. And you're going to love Felicia, I think, because I love her. <laughs> so welcome to the show, Felicia. Thank you, Sandy. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, so I always start with what does a woman of value mean to you? Right. So um, I was thinking about that question and it's just so funny because um, I kind of wrapped it into a women of valor, which is what uh, um, my grandmother was always known as, was a women of valor. And I actually had a little dish that way. <laughs> so just you know, someone who's just very um, strong, um, but then I, I kind of um, started thinking about the women of value piece of it too. And what does that mean to me? Um, I, I truly believe that every woman has um, a special value and, um, and it's just a matter of kind of nurturing it to have it pop out what it is. And, and I think that's throughout my life. Every woman I've met, I, I, can, I think I have the, a special intuitiveness to find out what their value is and to bring it out. And, to, and my whole thing is about connecting people together and, and, um, and trying to have them feel um, good about their value, which is kind of why I've started this co-working space in terms of um, every, my husband kind of makes fun of me about this because every person that I'm friends with or everybody I meet, I, I think that they're so special and beautiful and have so much. And he's like, you know, not, not everybody in the world is like, like, yes, they are, you know? And so I think to me, just every woman has value and I just like to um, really try to bring it out in them. Hmm. Well, I think that's lovely. And I, I, I love that you look for the good in people. I think people do have good 
And at the same time, your husband is also right, because <laughs> there are a lot of people out there who, who may have good, but it could be very hidden. And, you know, and I think that so many people are really jaded and don't see the good in people anymore. And so I love that you can still see that and you look for it and you help bring it out in people as well. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So you have accomplished amazing things in your life. You have had all these careers, as we spoke about, and we want our listeners to know that it wasn't always that way, that we, we all have struggles. <laughs> and um, so take us through that aha moment when you realize that you needed to make a change and claim your value. I don't think it's a one moment type thing. Um, and it's funny, I was at some event kind of giving my, my life story of all the things that I've encountered. And they said, wow, you know, what it sounds like is obstacles created your path. And that's truly the case. So, you know, I think throughout um, my, my life, and I think this is why I was an engineer to begin with, like I would encounter a problem and try to find a solution to it. So if you really, um, it's funny now at my age, kind of looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, this is really the most perfect place I could be right now is because of all the paths and the of and what I encountered, it created this this perfect space that I have created. I guess even starting when I was young, <laughs> to go back there, I, I always wanted to be an inventor, but something like that didn't exist. Or I didn't if I had known the word entrepreneur at six years old, that's what I would have said I wanted to be when I grew up. But at that time, um, you know, I was good at math and science and um, and it was a time in the um, in the 70s where they were encouraging girls to go into um, science and math and um, and do something with it or to become engineers, which is kind of like the trend now, too. Um, so it made it, I, I went into that area but I really did not love engineering I found it um, very boring and I really wanted I, I love the connection piece and I didn't want to just sit and write on paper so every every job that I ever had I always would try to create a business out of it like I was doing training at um, a computer-aided design company and on the side I was making little t-shirts and baby t-shirts and selling them to the employees. This is when I was at GE. I think I kind of got my hand slapped a little bit for doing that, but I love doing that more than actually sitting and doing the numbers. Hmm. And, um, and then I, at Apple, I, I, I took a job there and I absolutely loved it. And I was traveling around the country teaching engineers and, um, and architects and, or just talking to them about why they should use a Mac. But at, at um, and I never intended on leaving that company. You know, it was a, such a great company to work for. But at 30 years old, I found, you know, I was starting to have a family. They had transferred me to New York City and I had to commute in and leave my son. And it, it was a problem because I, I couldn't find good daycare. And I, um, I had a hard time um, leaving him and I didn't necessarily trust the, the babysitters I had. So that's when I asked for a job share at Apple, which you, you talked about earlier. But um, even with that, it wasn't a great situation to commute into the city and be an hour away. And, and between my husband and I, someone had to be um, take a step down. 
So that's when I found myself um, being at home and I never intended to stop working. So I tried to create a path for that. Um, and I and kind of have that flexibility of working at home, keeping my mind active, as well as being there for my son. It was actually an interesting time because it was really pre-cell phones, pre-everything. So I created a virtual space and I was able to do work at home um, and create PowerPoint slides and do things for people. I, I wasn't a graphic designer at that time, but I went back to school at night. And then and so my husband and I would trade off but it all worked out really well in terms of, I, I wound up getting a business partner, we grew the business to 16 women, and we were all working in our houses and we, working you know, to flex hours, which now is very common, but at that point it really wasn't. Hmm. That we started getting more and more clients, um, and then the clients seemed to need a space um, to meet us. Like they, I didn't want them to really come to my house, so we found an office that we kind of said was our office. I think you remember even coming to that office where we did the round tables. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just kind of, at that time, there wasn't anything called co-working. So we created this space and just made it and, and had to pretend that this was our office. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I started seeing that um, all our clients needed really um, were interested in the same thing. We had over 80 clients and they were interested. It was just when social media was coming out. So I saw they wanted to know about Facebook. They wanted to know about LinkedIn. So that's when we started having these round tables because the real purpose of them was for the clients to meet each other and um, share their experience. And that kind of grew. And what I saw was happening was, um, it wasn't just our clients who were coming, the word started spreading and all these other people were coming to these round tables that weren't our clients, but they were never going to pay for our marketing services. But they really, there was a magic that was happening when these people started meeting each other and those connections that happened and business happened. And that's kind of when I, um, I, I started thinking about that at that point. Um, and at the same time, um, my kids that had started, um, being much more independent, they were starting to, um, go out into the work world themselves. So I had created this lovely business and it wound up being an 80 hour a week business. It was crazy. <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, it started as a lifestyle business. It turned into a work style business with a little life, you know, and having my own business was fun, but I never intended to leave corporate. So I wanted to jump back into that. And I saw that my kids had launched my, um, my oldest son wound up getting a job at Apple after 25 years. So it was that kind of circle, which was interesting. But I wanted to um, go back into the corporate world too, because um, I loved it. But what I didn't realize was there was, um, and I think we've talked about this before, there was an ageism at this point. At that point, I was you know 50 something years old. And I always thought I would go back in. And people weren't hiring, even though I had this wealth of experience, uh, but they, they were going to hire my kids before they would hire me. <laughs> so again, another obstacle I encountered. Um, I lucked out. I um, actually, I sold my company and went and worked for one of my clients in New York City. So because I knew them, they let me work there. And I worked for three years as a director of marketing. But um, I. Wound up, I was working with uh, um, 15, 16 men 
and I was the only woman on the board. And it really, I noticed, I didn't feel so comfortable like I had with all, my whole um, group of women that I had worked with in my company, Three for One Studios. So it, it was just, there was something missing. And that is kind of when I had that aha moment, which all these little pieces fit together, that I really wanted to create a space, a place for um, women to connect and create and collaborate together in a very comfortable environment and have all the, um, the educational systems, the health and wellness systems, um, pretty much everything that I would like to have in my world as a businesswoman. So that's really what I did in creating Haven was creating this place that, um, a safe haven, a place called home. I, I didn't know the part about you working from home and the whole Apple uh, story about how you started working from home when you had your son. And I can relate to that. I, I worked from home my whole life, pretty much since I started having children uh, and was also, I was doing like 10 different jobs, but, but wanted to be present for my children. Uh, and three for one, I think was just such a wonderful, wonderful place. I, I made incredible connections. And, and I think for people who, like me who are introverted, who don't love networking, having these really intimate roundtable events where you were learning and eating delicious breakfast <laughs> and meeting people <laughs> was such a brilliant idea. And I started telling people about it because I, I wanted more people to come. And I knew people who were just starting businesses who made incredible connections too. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting that a lot of people who go into certain careers may be interested in the subject matter, but something's missing for them. And like you, connection was the most important thing, you know, mm -hmm. just really making those connections and being a people person, not, not quite as much as the number person and the, you know, sitting at a desk person. And I find that a lot of people today start out in a career and then they keep getting promoted, promoted, promoted until they're in some kind of managerial position and they don't even do the work that they were trained for. They don't really even, they don't have any training to be a manager. They're not necessarily good at being a manager, but that's kind of what companies do. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because I think, you know, you took a different path. You followed your own breadcrumbs but a lot of people just kind of go with the flow, with the flow of the company, and they get kind of pushed into a position that may not work for them. In terms of going with the flow, I guess I've always been um, a bit of looking at opportunities and, and trying to solve problems. So I don't really necessarily go with the flow. I just go with what feels good. I've been fortunate to be able to do that at some point or just... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, it's probably just from the way that I was brought up too. You know, um, in terms of family history and you know where we came from, that you never just accept, and you always try to um, try to solve problems and and figure out things because it's it's never going to be status quo. You know, I mean, even. Like, you know, when I first graduated from college, um, I had to create a different path because it was a recession and there was really no opportunities. So 
I didn't, I didn't go with, I didn't have a job when I graduated college, even as an engineer, I thought it was going to be super simple and it wasn't. So I just got on a plane and moved out to California and found, you know, I actually started, I figured, oh, I'm an engineer. I can figure out something. And I wound up, I was washing windows at a solar company. That was my first job. And then I was um, designing, um, I didn't say any of these things in my bio, but my very first real job was designing battle tanks. I was um, designing the um, 40 millimeter gun for the Bradley fighting vehicle and hated it. (laughs) But there was a little computer sitting in the back um, of the office and no one else was touching it. It was a computer aided uh, CAD CAM system. So I just took advantage at the company and took all the classes I could and learned how to do that. And that kind of, created the career so um you know i guess it's i've always tried to figure out like what makes it interesting um because life's too short (laughs) yeah i so agree with you i mean i live life the same way and and i think that the difference between you and a lot of other people is that they feel those little intuitive hits and they feel like oh this isn't really working but they don't do anything about it and you're you're uncomfortable it sounds like in that discomfort like it's not you're not going to stay in a place that doesn't really suit your needs and your talents and so you keep going and you know and and it's there are emotional risks i mean taking the plane to california that's a risk yeah. you know but you you just went there so yeah. well, I love adventure. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. You and, know, and I, I, still, I also like calm. I, I, you know, I'm a Libra, so it's like this balance I, uh, I do like, but I do, you know, I'm always up for, um, for travel. <laughs> yeah. And that's how you expand and grow. And it's what makes you interesting. And, yeah. and I think it's what makes people believe in you. You know, you had a lot of people who backed you in this newest venture. And so tell us how that all came about. Like, what are some of the steps that you took to get Haven to where it is today? Yeah, we're still taking steps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I, um, I came up with the idea about two and a half years ago, actually listening to a podcast. I don't know if I, I think I mentioned that to you, how Mm -hmm. I built this, my favorite, when my son turned me on to this, I'm like, (laughs) I love this podcast. Um, and I was listening to them talk about the, um, you know, this idea of co-working and I'm like, oh, that just is so perfect for me, but what are they doing to help women? And um, so this, this is the WeWork folks. And I decided my first thing was I just went to, um, I was in New York City for that summer when I was, um, came up with this idea. I'm like, oh, you know, we work for women. And I went around and visited like seven or eight WeWorks. And my intention was never to start another company. I mean, I had a company, I sold it. I worked for this day. I thought, oh, let me just get another job somewhere doing exactly what I want, connecting people. And, and, um, and I just wanted to be a community manager at a WeWork. But um, again, I think with ageism, I don't know, or just like the way that people find jobs, I just couldn't get in anywhere. And I tried some of the other co-working spaces too, and didn't really get any answers on this. So I, I got a little frustrated and I just said, you know what, I'm just going to create my own. 
<laughs> so I'm like, what does that take to create your own? You know, and, and I think having a business before, I know a lot about like the business side, you know, creating up the systems. And I do love to create systems, like to-do lists and, and things like that. Although I, I do feel a bit dis discombobulated these days, <laughs> but I was pretty strategic about it then. Um, so I went out and I just wanted to figure out if anything like this existed for women. And at that point, I hadn't heard of any. Um, there, there was like one in New York City, but it was pretty small. I mean, now it's it's grown a lot too. But um, so I, I decided to just like what to you know Google and figure out what what was involved in creating this. And I found a, a good group of peers around the country that have created co-working spaces too. And there's a it's um, I'm in this network with people and sharing ideas. And I just visited a lot of places took a lot of notes. Um, it's been amazing, the, the people that have helped me through the process. And I had to put together a business plan, put together a pitch deck, just so I could present. Um, I, I worked with SCORE, Women Business Development Center, the SBDC, anybody that would help me. Um, my husband's been great too. Um, and I, one thing that I was not strong with is in Excel and putting together a business plan, a pro forma but I have that all put together too. And then I went out and looked at buildings and um, I went to, you know, uh, tons of places and just kind of stood there. Does this feel right? Does this feel right? Um, we did a survey to say like, what's the most important thing that a woman needs for a co-working space um, in Fairfield County, you know, where we live. And um, actually one of the top things is parking. <laughs> You know, I was like, do I need it? To, should I have it near a train station? But really, like, you know, parking is, is super important. And then, you know, I, I was going to have a daycare center because I was thinking about things that um, I would have wanted for, to um, get rid of any obstacles for a woman to work. But that really wasn't a priority. That wasn't a top one. I still do want to have a daycare at some point, but um, decided that that would not be the, the first thing I needed to do. Um, so anyway, it took me a long time to find the right space, how to get a lease. Um, the lease took a very long time. There was a lot of the back and forth. Uh, I walked away from a, the building that I'm in right now because um, we had some conflict of, uh, of interest. But um, luckily, I came back to it. And I have to say, it's really a magical place. Yeah. And you know, so once I got the space, signed the lease, I had, it gave me enough time that I had all my plans done, furniture picked out. And so it was just like, boom, ready to build and signed the lease in January last year. We opened in the end of May and it's been a roller coaster ever since. Yeah. It's growing and doing well. So that's, it's so interesting how you entered into something that you knew very little about and you had some education from the previous experience but not starting a co-working space and uh, and you reached out for support and I think that I want to highlight that because I think that a lot of people have ideas and they get overwhelmed by the thought of creating and it just they think of all the steps because you know it just becomes like this big ball of ah! and uh, and then they quit and, you know, and I, I always think about like when we have children, if we knew 
what the next 20 years are going to be like. We would not have children. <laughs> but we don't plan 20 years in advance. We plan a day at a time. We know that, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be some really amazing moments and there's going to be some challenging moments, but then we reach out for support. And I think that it's just so important. The networking groups, the groups that you went to, the, all, of, all of the support that you had, because we can't do it all. Even though we think we can and we're really capable, we can't do it all. No. I mean, I, I have a fabulous um, group of friends. Actually, like, a lot of them came from the three-for-one days. And just there, I asked them to be my advisory board. And um, they believe in me and have been helping me out and are so, so good about giving advice. And, you know, I keep thinking, like, what can I do for you in return? <laughs> you know, I, um, it's, they, that's been super helpful. You know, I had my... Um, my friend who's an architect, she, she helped me pick out all the furniture, which was a big deal. Um, Kim Barron, you know, who's a graphic designer, helped with all the, the um, marketing and design and Michelle with the writing and just, it's been, been fabulous. Yeah. And the attention to detail is obvious. Like you can feel that this is a well thought out venture. I can feel it. When I walk into the building, when I see anything that you produce, the consistency of the brand, it's all there. And Thank so you. you did a great job. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about leadership. And you lead this venture and you have all these women leaders who come in who have their own companies. So tell us about your leadership style and how you, you know, how you lead this company? Um, so just in what, I, when I've read a lot of books about leadership, um, what I always take home is the, the people who are the, the top leaders are, are not necessarily the ones that are the best communicators, which that's not me, <laughs> you know, the, the smartest, the, um, you know, the loudest. I, I think a lot of times it seems like they're more of the quieter ones. And, um, and so I, I take that to heart. Um, so I hope, and I try to have my leadership as someone that is reliable, thoughtful. I listen to what people tell me and respect that and try to, um, if they send me something, I will make sure I read it and, and let them know and thank them about that. Um, cause there's nothing worse than someone that doesn't listen to you when you, you ask for advice. Um, and I, I'm more about like letting them and the people around me connect with each other and, and, and really feel like that it, it's their ideas, you know, that make this the way it is. So I, I, I'm very much about, um, not taking credit for this. You know, I, that's kind of my leadership. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I take that. It, it's also because I'm a bit shy about things or I just, you know, I, I like other people to feel good about what they're doing. And so I, even though right now it's my company, I want to figure out how to make it that, you know, that they all feel like it's their company. Mm. So this kind of the leadership style sounds to me like it's quiet leadership that empowers other people to lead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or to shine and to shine yeah. because that's kind of what we spoke about at the beginning was you see the good in everybody. And so you don't look to have the spotlight. You look to help others shine. 
Yeah. So that's why, like, you had a talking off the ledge to do this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to be the center of talking. Yeah, but it's it's so it's such an interesting thing because I'm I'm a quiet person also, and I I didn't realize that you could be a quiet leader, and because all the leaders I knew growing up were always people with the biggest mouth and the loudest voice, and it was never who I was. And I think that when you find your authentic style, then the people who really want to be around you will be around you. And also that, that you can lead very powerfully with a quiet voice. And especially if you're empowering other people, you know, just the idea, I, I saw you in Toastmasters and, you know, I've been going there for many years and you sat next to me one meeting and Toastmasters helped me to find my, my speaking style because again, it's not about the spotlight. It's really about, I have a message and I want to spread a message and I can't do it if I hide. And so I hid for so much of my life and that doesn't serve anybody. Right. So that's how I see this. It's not about we have to shine a light and just, you know, boast and brag and tell everybody how amazing we are. It's really to inspire and to help others to hopefully get something like out of this podcast and learn that they too can be a leader if they're quiet and they too can take their ideas and bring them to fruition. And, you know, so you never know what you say that will inspire some idea in somebody else so they can take it off and take off with it. That's funny. Right before I came here, I was thinking that Malou, who's one of my community managers, um, was saying to me, she goes, you never seem to get like stressed out. And I'm like, really? I mean, like inside, I feel. I'm like, well, I'm glad I'm not showing that. She says, you always seem so calm and handling everything. But um, I mean, I actually don't. I don't lose my temper or, you know, my husband would say differently, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't with the employees or or anybody, you know, around me, it's kind of more like if there's something I I will point it out and then just like, how can we solve this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's powerful leadership to be able to process and not be reactive to deal with your stress so that you don't take it out on everybody else. That's, that's maturity and that's really strong, powerful leadership. So what are you creating in the world right now? I know Haven is going strong. Is there anything that you have that you're creating now? I mean, Haven is kind of my baby, so that's all I'm creating. But, you know, we're doing some really cool things there, which I'm excited about. And it's just, you know, wasn't an intention, but it's just happening. One, um, one is this whole... Um, we started something called Haven Hatch. I don't know if you've been to that. I haven't been, but I've read about it. Yeah, so that's really been fun. It's it's a it's a pitch night like Shark Tank, but we call it the Dolphin Tank. So it's really a kind way to help female founders and encourage them to um, you know with their businesses. And that you know I intended to do like one or two of these, but now we've done four four of them, and we have um, two more planned. So it's like every three months. And from that has stemmed this whole way of like, how do these founders get um, financing? So um, last week we just had a, a founders meet funders tonight. We had like over a hundred people. We had a panel of um, five VC angel investors speak to the founders of companies uh, in a, um, and it was an all women panel talking to the audience about what does it take to um, get funding? Like what do 
angel investors look for. And um, the, the, some people who have attended these in the city have said that this was so much better because it was an all women panel that people were not afraid to ask questions and, the, and even the most simple questions and they were explaining everything. And I, I feel like this whole, um, you know, this world of trying to get financing, which I just had experience to, um, I had to get, a, uh, I got an SBA loan to open my space and it's very intimidating and especially for women to, to talk about finances. Um, and I feel like there's an opportunity here. So that's one thing that I'm really excited about. It's like, we, we're, I think we're going to really be able to help women in this area. And it's a real trend now. Um, I don't know if it's from the Me Too movement or what, but there's, there's everything about helping women get financing. Because I think they said like only 4% of, um, of women businesses get financing. So, wow. you know, I hope to have, be a part of that to help people. Yeah, that's exciting. I think that women in general have, have learned over time to speak up more, to yeah. ask for what they want, whether it's money or a raise, relationship, you know, issues. Mm -hmm. I'm all about that. That's, that's really what I stand for, because I think that we have been trained and raised to diminish our needs and to not think that they're important enough to take a stand for. And I yeah. think you know, I, I love that you're doing that and that you're helping women do what you did and get their businesses off the ground. It's wonderful. So anything else in the future besides this, uh, this wonderful venture? Um, well, I mean, I hope to open a few more of these if possible. You know, that's kind of, I'm, I'm looking at that and seeing if there's opportunities to do that. Um, and are, are you, talking about, I mean, in terms of personal life. It could be anything, anything. Yeah. What are your future um, plans, visions? No, I mean, you know, I'm, I hope that this is just going to be, you know, such a success and I'll have a few more of these. I think that would, would be great. And, you know, then I will be traveling the world, hopefully to stay healthy to be able to do that. Awesome. More adventures for Felicia. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, given a whole new meaning to bye-bye, Felicia. <laughs> bye, Felicia. That's right. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> but I never knew what that was until I was in New York City at a Grand Central Station getting a pizza. And this was like a few years ago. And I was, someone was, um, the person was serving me and then saying to someone else, bye, Felicia. I'm like, wait, how did you know it was my name? <laughs> like, what? They said, haven't you ever heard of the Spike Lee movie? I think it was Spike Lee's movie or something. I don't, I don't even know where it came it's, from. It's a it's... movie from the 90s. It was, it's, it's not a nice term. So no. you can cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> no, it's, I think it's a funny thing that people say when they're like, we're happy to see you go. Yeah, Get out. it's dissing you. So it's in a movie. Yeah, yeah, but we're not saying that to you. <laughs> All right, so we are up to the lightning round. Are you ready? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, first question. I used to think I wasn't blank enough. I wasn't smart enough. And tell me more about that. Um, I mean, I guess always I kind of feel like I'm not smart enough when you're in a room of all these people. So, um, but now I realize that no one is 
so it's okay. Well, everybody feels that everybody way no matter has, how yeah. smart you are because you are obviously smart and you were an engineer and did all these amazing things. What was the number one thing holding you back from becoming a woman of value? Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I had to get um, out of my, my head a bit and just realize, again, just look around and realize that everybody is in the same boat as you. Yeah. It probably just keeps coming back to that. You know, yes. it's like, you, you, I think that, you know, every, everybody's judging you and then you just realize that, you know, they're in their own heads and it's their <laughs> issue, not your issue. Yeah. We're judging ourselves. Yeah. We're holding ourselves back. Like if someone's not smiling that day, it's not about you. No, no, that took me decades to learn. <laughs> yeah. What is the best advice you can give a woman who wants to become more empowered? Okay. Well, there's probably a lot of advice, but I do give younger women. I was actually even telling my son's girlfriends this yesterday. I was like, don't ever stop working in, in some capacity. You know, I see it all the time with um, people, like if they just stop and let, you know, um, no matter how difficult it is, even if it's, it's like five hours a week or something, just something that is your own that you can continue with. So what's important about that? Um, it's, it's for independence. It's for um, respect in your relationship. I find when people have stopped working and you're raising the kids like and it's just the way our society is that people don't value being home taking care of the kids as much as you know um if you're working so might as well and it's also good for your your balance and your um emotional balance and mental balance to have something that's important that's yours yeah and then, you know, if something happens, because there's always things that happen in the career. And I mean, look at the market today, you know, someone might be out of a job, you know, so you have to be able to step in. Yeah, good advice. What advice would you give to your younger self? <laughs> well, um, this as a joke, I would have said, you know, buy more Apple stock. <laughs> <laughs> When I was there, uh, when I left Apple, the um, stock was at 17 because it um, was not a good time. And I wish I had kept options then. <laughs> and finally, Felicia, how would you like to be remembered? Um, I mean, I, I kind of feel like I'm living towards how I'd like to be remembered. I want to be remembered as being kind, um, helpful, um, that I've created something amazing. Like I said, I always wanted to be an inventor and I feel like I've invented something now with, with Haven. Um, a good mom, a good wife, a good family person. So. Beautiful. Uh, and I love that you said it's something that I am living right now. And I, and I think that it's true of every single person who I asked this question of, they're already the person that they want to be, which is why they're on the show, because oh, these are people so nice. who, yeah, I mean, it's, I think a lot of people dream of something and don't do it. And you didn't just dream, you do. And I think that that's an inspiration for all of us. So thank you. 
Well, thank you. That's so sweet. I've so enjoyed being on your show. Thank you so much. <laughs> if you would like to step more fully into your value, grab a free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Becoming a Woman of Value on my website, thewomanofvalue.com. Just click the link at the top of the homepage. And if you haven't already done so, be sure to click the subscribe button in your listening app. And if there's something in this episode that inspired you, please share it with others. Because the more we share these inspirational stories, the more women of value we will have in this world. I'll see you next time.